Radio. In Des Moines, news is spelled W-H-O. Well, the game may be over, but the best Hawkeye analysis is just getting started. This is the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Ross Peterson and Travis Justice are taking your calls. Sound Off. This is your home for the Hawkeyes. News Radio 1040. W-H-O. We're here till 11 o'clock tonight. If you want to get in on the show, please do so at 515-284-1040. I'm Travis Justice. He's Ross Peterson. Hawkeyes lose to Michigan State today 17-7. to Russell wants to know on Twitter at SoundOffWHO, who the hell screens your calls? Well, that all falls on Sean Roberts because he's, he's a phenomenal call screener is what he is. And uh, I, it's okay. What I do. You didn't do anything. I think they're talking about Frank. I think, I think talking it's about obvious Frank. that they're talking about yes. Frank. Frank, I thought, brought up some valid points, <laughs> and it needed to be broadcasted on the air. <laughs> We're 13-0. and 0. Well, back it up if you back time. I don't know what he was trying to do. Well, let's uh, see if you can redeem uh, yourself with the call screening duty, Sean, as we go to Iowa Falls. That's where Russ is. Russ, welcome to the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off on News Radio 1040 WHO. Yeah, why can't they... Uh do a little more blitzing once in a while. It, it seems like when they do, it helps out the team a little bit. And uh, I don't think uh, the football team lost the, the game last week. I think the coach did. If he would have kicked one field goal, it would have won the game. I'll take my answer off the phone. Thanks, Russ. Thanks, Russ. Did you get that a lot last week, Travis? No, you know, we Coaches did. lost the game last we week? We didn't get that at all last week. Matter of fact, I, I think some stuff festers over the week, and people start itching at it, and they poking at it, and it gets on their nerves, Oof. and they finally say, I'm going to wait till Saturday night, and I'm going to call sound off, and I'm going to bitch about last week. Russ, I'm no, I, can't, I can't agree with you on that, that the coaches lost that game last week. I think Penn State won that game with a great drive in the final seconds. And they beat a tired defense. I don't think they was- ran ninety nine plays last week. Think, put this in perspective, folks. They ran ninety nine plays a week ago. Michigan State today ran what sixty eight total. Uh, looks like that to me, right? Twenty, yeah, sixty eight. Sixty eight. Twenty eight passes and forty rushes. Ninety nine plays, <laughs> and you went against the best player in college yeah, football for thirty one more plays. Who had? How many yards of total, like all-purpose yards? Uh, you, you would Over have a 300. lot Yeah, I would. The coaching staff didn't lose that game. Iowa didn't even lose that game. Penn State won that game. Blitz more is a common criticism, Russ, that uh, this Hawkeye defense has heard a lot. Again, that goes back to our conversation with, uh, with Tom earlier in the show. That's just not part of the game plan. It's, it's not the way that Kirk Ferentz sees... A winning strategy of football. They are blitzing. I, I think they're even blitzing a little bit more this year than we thought they would. You know, we haven't seen, seen the, the Raider past. package all that That's often. That's true. That's a good point, Travis. Um, but listen, I mean, they were 5 of 14 on third down conversions. Mm-hmm. 5 of 14. Michigan State controlled the ball 33 minutes of total time of possession. Um, but when you got a guy, you, you have to be careful when you blitz. Because if you get beat on the blitz, bad things happen. And the secondary has not been fantastic no. this year. So you're when you blitz, you put a lot more pressure on that secondary. You didn't have one of your better cornerbacks playing today for health reasons, apparently. So 
I feel like you saw an, a pretty good amount of, of, of blitzes and pressure over the last couple of weeks for what the game plan is. Plus, you got a mobile quarterback and you got right. a great wide receiver uh, that Michigan State has. Now is a great time to call. 284-1040-800-469-4295. It's not a long wait. We've been at like 30-minute waits before you get yeah. on the air before. Luke's going to be on the air waiting less than a minute. Uh, Luke's, uh, yeah, and you're right. And uh, we got twi- we got tweets coming in on Twitter, too, at SoundOffWHO. Luke in Cedar Falls, welcome to the Jethro's Barbecue SoundOff. Oh, and then he blew he, his opportunity. He up. You see what Luke did? He hung up. Luke changes Who the threshold. Who hangs up on the people show? I feel show. like people are trying to make me look bad here. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't do that, Sean. Mike in West Des Moines. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm okay. Uh, I just wanted to comment on something you said, Ross, just a minute ago about you said that uh, when the guy was talking about the blitz, and you said, well, that's just not in Kirk Ferentz's strategy. I think that that's kind of the whole point, don't you think? Yeah, that's. I understand that's what the complaint is. That's why I tried to say. That's a common criticism of Kirk Ferentz's defense, but that's just the way it is. And I, And quite frankly, I don't feel like with the personnel you had on the field today, blitzing was what was going to make a big difference. Oh, yeah, no, no, that's not really what I meant. I guess what I meant is that the comment about that's Kirk Ferentz's strategy, but his strategy, honestly, is kind of, it's almost like it's a losing strategy. Kirk Ferentz does not play to win. Kirk Ferentz plays to not lose. And so what he does is he sets up his team. He always puts his team in the worst position possible because he's afraid to try to actually win the game. The offense, when you put so much pressure, like you guys said earlier, what would you say, uh, Penn State ran how many plays? They ran 99 plays a week ago. 99 plays with that offense. You're going to put that kind of pressure on your defense because you're afraid to take a chance with your offense. I don't think it's afraid, Mike. And I I think when you say he's afraid to win games, you don't mean that. What what you're trying to say is you disagree with Kirk Ferentz's opinion on what the best way to win games is. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, Kirk, that's fair. It's that's not that fair. it's not that he's afraid to win. It's not that he doesn't want to try to win. He he realizes he's got limited amounts of playmakers out there. We've talked about two: Noah Fant and Akram Wadley. He realizes that he has a defense that he has to play within the uh, the parameters of your secondary is not great. And your defensive line, those four guys are not able to always break pressure. So you've got to keep those linebackers in that gray area in between. So that's that's just the fact of it. We can bitch that he doesn't blitz enough. I don't think that that's going to make a big difference. And I think on top of that, the right thing to say when people are bitching about it is you might be rooting for the wrong football team because this guy is just not going to be blitzing that often. Yeah, and I don't. I'm not even really talking about the defensive side because the defense, unbel- it, you know, frankly, this, this defense is is phenomenal. Yeah, look I what agree. look what Penn State did to Indiana today. But it's it's the offensive game plan where he really just plays to not lose the game on the offensive side because he knows he has this phenomenal defense that'll always keep him in the game. But you cannot continuously put that kind of pressure on your defense. And never take a take a, a a gamble or take a risk or take a chance on the offensive side. You know this this continuous 
always playing to not make a mistake or not turn over the ball or not lose the game puts so much pressure on that defense. I mean, he's, he's lucky that he's got guys like Josie Jewell and, you know, frankly, all probably 15 of the def- defensive guys that, that, that tend to play on a regular basis. But he has got to just take the 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 leash off or whatever, however you want to put it, of the offense. I don't. I don't know. I'm curious. I know. I know you guys don't know the answer to this, but I, I'm just wondering if this ridiculous play calling is is um, exposing Brian Ferentz, or if he's just you know at the mercy of his dad because the the play calling today was just about the worst I've ever seen. Or, or, or is it, or is it, Mike, they don't have a, a full confidence in Nate Stanley yet. Maybe, well, you know, it, that maybe, might be it. Yeah, maybe they go, okay, because we have, we have to assume, I mean, we get frustrated. I think, and you're frustrated, I think everybody's frustrated. But I, but I, the older I get, the more I appreciate these guys see something that happens every day in practice. Yeah. They know what a guy is limited to. They know what his skill set Same is. Same thing with why is Colton Rastad are still punting yes. when you've got a freshman that's on scholarship. Well, obviously in practice, the freshman isn't better. You know, we yeah, keep... there, there, there may be just something there where they just don't think that Stanley is the playmaker. You know that I think that sort of the the uninformed public. Thinks you know thinks that we've got the next Heisman and, and trophy quite frankly, yeah, right, Mike. No, quite and, frankly, and, we got spoiled and, a little bit and, in those in the three of those first and four. And here's quarters. and here's the problem, and and, and it's it, and almost every sports show's guilty of this. We're guilty of it over on KXNO. Iowa sends out these beautiful little game notes before a game. You know, they give you all these and they start running down the statistics of what Nate Stanley's done in his first three or four starts, how he compares with Chuck Hartlieb, how he compares with Chuck Long. And you start picturing Hartlieb and Long in your in your head and what they did in their career. We keep forgetting that he's just a sophomore and we think, well, he's put up those numbers against this far. He must be of that caliber. Hmm. And the truth is, he's not that caliber yet. He's had good games, but I still think he's limited. And I think we've seen it the last two weeks of what those limits are. Agreed. All right. Great phone call, Mike. True. Uh, Yeah, just real quick. I guess on the positive side, he gets better every game. And that's, that's true. That's the positive thing going going through this thing. I mean, also, I, th- I just want to ask the question: Does that guy have small hands or something? Because he drops the ball a lot. I don't know. I've never <laughs> shook hands with you know that you know down down on like the four yard line where he just kind of dropped it. I'm just wondering. It just seems like he does have a little bit of a little bit of trouble hanging onto the ball sometimes. <laughs> but uh, anyway, okay. Right, thanks, thanks, Mike. Mike. Thanks, Mike. Good show. Bye. Thank you, sir. We got to take a break. Two eight four ten forty. I think the legend's coming up next. Interact with us. Long time listener to the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. He puts things into perspective on Twitter. And we and we're all we it's a cliche, right? I mean we fall we all fall guilty of this. But he, he says this. Okay, just say it out loud. Kirk Ferentz coaches not to win. Do people realize how ridiculous that sounds? When you say it out loud, yes, it sounds ridiculous. But you know the cliche we're talking about. What it's saying is you're conservative. You're not going to take chances. You're going to play it close to the vest yeah. and, and keep it close. Listen, we do this all the time yes. with the Iowa football coaching staff. We do it all the time with Coach Ferentz. I've heard it said that 
you know, because the contract gives him a bonus at seven games, he doesn't he doesn't want to win the eighth game as much. Think about that. <laughs> Think about that. This guy is every day focused on what he can do to win as many Saturdays as he possibly can. There, it, it, there's not an idea of well, I've got favorites on the team. No, he might have a different opinion than you, but his he's always making decisions on what he thinks is going to give him the best results on the field, and I really believe that. Two eight four ten forty. Let's go to line one. Tommy in there the he line. Is. That's my man. What's up, Tommy? Well, I'll say that Kurt Perry is no Hayden Fry, period. Hayden Fry with a riverboat gambler, and Kurt Perry is no, more no con- gambler. Certainly a more conservative. And, 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 you know, a lot of people are, are yelling about Ryan Perry play calling the game. Yes, it was bad, but who's the head coach? Not Ryan Perry. That is, and uh, and by the way, if I was coaching Iowa, uh, all you got to do is look at the Iowa basketball team last year. They played a bunch of freshmen, and what they do, they had a heck of a year. Why why isn't it promoted and worse playing all the time? I mean, we're... uh, I could, could be a world reader and Espinosa caught one pass. What what can this guy not do? Tommy, I mean, Tommy, uh, let's slow down just a minute, okay? Because last week you are several times you're one play away from beating Penn State. Today you're probably a fumble inside the five yard line away from at least sending this game to overtime. If if Nate Stanley doesn't have that ball fly out of his hands inside the five, we're obviously talking about a very different football game. So I can't put those on the coach. I agree with you, uh, Tommy, and I've been saying why, this for a why? long time. Tell me why. I tell you, because I'm not a Kurt fan. I never have and never will be. I, I'm a hate and pride fan, and, and, and the reason why, who started throwing the football in the bit can? Hate and pride was the one who started the throwing in the bit can. No, it was a cloud of five yards and, and a cloud of guts. When Hate and pride came there, he started to pull it fast and it got up. No, I'm sorry. I, 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 I blame the play calling. I mean, yes, Brian Kurt had a horrible day and Stanley was bad, but what happened to the other true freshman? Not the red shirt freshman, but the other true freshman. Why didn't he get in the game? Uh, and then he got the two kids, the two quarterbacks. Uh, one daddy, uh, Iowa City repeated, uh, football coach, all they do is win. And then you got, uh, former Dowling quarterback. And, and what are they going to do? Get rock on the bench? I mean, if I was going to be a contender, I think they ought to go right and, and watch what the right ball coach I would do. He fights Fretton, and what they do, they had a head of a year, and this year they could be a contender. And plus, they got a couple of players that are going to play a lot, and I'll tell you what, Iowa football may not be great, but I'll tell you what, Walk out for basketball. Thank you. That's why he's the legend, folks.
Tommy in Des Moines. How many times did he say, I tell you what? At least six or seven. I was going to start I lost. I, I, I lost him about four minutes ago. I started looking at Instagram. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but you guys are sitting there having a conversation through the window. I just went straight to Instagram. <laughs> right? How did he get on the basketball? I don't know I where he went to. I was trying to draw. I was trying to connect what he was the dots he was draw, putting on the paper there. I couldn't figure out. Hayden Fry brought the forward pass. He doesn't like. I, I got Hayden Fry was a riverboat gambler. Yep. I got Kirk's Kirk in charge. Kirk's in charge. charge. Don't, don't blame the offensive coordinator because Kirk's still calling the plays. Then, then he said he wasn't a Kirk Ferentz fan. Then I think he tried to bring up. Epinesa. You know how I take notes? Or if it's Tommy, it's Epinosa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know how I take notes on every caller? Uh, I, yeah. I couldn't. I... And then as soon as he went to the basketball team, I went to Instagram. I love Tommy. Every week, Tommy. I do, Tommy. too. Because you remember, he boycotted us for a while. He didn't like us. Yeah. Just like, I think he, you know, because Zobble was the Hayden Fry. Yeah. And he looks at us as the Kirk Ferentz. That's true. Yes. He's he just trying to help the show. You guys don't, you guys don't talk to win. We don't talk to win. <laughs> how long to the break? Because I know we're at the bottom. Second, of the forty-five hour. seconds here. So okay. So how are, you, how are you back on this? Thirty thirty. That's when we have to take the break for the. No, I know. It so just here in, like four, the clock in five wasn't seconds, right. the thirty-second theme is going to hit. I thought it looked like it was a minute. You know what behind. you should do? You should produce for a little while. That's what you should do. It would help you out. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't think I produce this show? I mean, on that side of the glass. Listen, we got Travis, clocks that don't work. Travis in here. thinks he's producing the show because he records the game and saves the highlights for us. Play some more highlights, then, okay? If that's what if that's what you're going to add to the show, Is that what you're if going? that's the production value you're going to bring, then bring it. Everybody, stand hold. We'll get to your calls. Fox News Radio. I'm Chris DeMeo. No light at the end of the tunnel for Puerto Rico. Lieutenant General Todd Seminiti says it might be a long time before power is fully restored. The majority of this network is devastated. There's going to be some percentage, I'm not going to give you a number, that's going to come up in a couple of weeks. There's going to give a smaller percentage that might be a couple months. But there's going to be some very, very remote areas that could actually be up to a year to be able to get those streets back up and running. About a third of telecommunications and about half the water service have been restored. He hosted a TV staple for decades. Let's make a deal! And now, here's America's top trader, TV's big dealer, Monty Hall. Hall died of heart failure today at his home in Beverly Hills at the age of 96. His wife of 70 years passed away this summer. Fox News. We report, you decide. Which says, Tommy Des Moines is a legend, period. Hashtag Riverboat Gambler. Hashtag I'll tell you what. Hashtag Epinosa. Hashtag and this type of stuff. Hashtag play more freshman. Cheryl says, nice to see Hawk fans haven't changed in the 40 years since I started listening to games. Russell says, thanks, Tommy. I didn't know Hayden Fry invented the forward pass. Now, now in all fairness, he said Hayden Fry brought the forward pass to the Big Yes, Ten. he did. Rob says, WTF, is it a full moon tonight? Weird sound off. I don't yeah. think it's been that weird. He's had a couple of, you know, calls. He wasn't listening at 1.30 last, in the morning last week. There, that's nothing out of the line for Tommy. That's been Tommy for the last 30 years that I've been listening to sound off. 
I mean, back to the Cotler and Newell days, Tommy was calling in, and he was the star of this show then. 284-1040. Let's pick up the phones again. Let's go to Matt in Des Moines. Welcome to the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off, Matt. Hey, guys. Uh, disappointing loss tonight. Uh, I wonder, you know, Nate Stanley overthrows every, you know, most passes over 20, 25 yards, about, what, 70, 80% are overthrown. I wonder if there's a correlation between that and why the coaches waited so long before the season to name a starter. Maybe they were seeing this a lot in practice, and maybe that's just who this guy is. And if that's the case, it's really going to limit what the offense can do uh, throughout the season. I just wonder where you guys think well, about that. It's, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I, we had a call earlier that, you know, um, we were talking about what Stanley was able to do, and I said, you know, maybe he's only doing what he's capable of doing at this point. Um, right. I, I think we see guys that are open or we see things – like, well, why didn't they just do that? Well, we just assume that you have a quarterback and people that can make those plays. These guys see their talent in practice every single day. They know what they're capable of doing, and that's what I, I – maybe it's simplistic, maybe it's maybe it's too easy to say, but I, that's what I'm going to write it off to, Ross, is they, they know what he's capable of doing. They don't want to put him in a position to fail yet. Right. Yeah, sooner or later, you're going to have to take some chances. Sooner or later, you're going to have to – you know, un- loosen up the collar. But I think they look at it and say, Nate Stanley is a sophomore. Yep. He's now started five games. They're not ready to pull that collar off yet. There you go. So two things, that I, two things I'd say to you, Matt. Number one, in that quarterback battle that you referenced, it's obvious, I think you're right, that he isn't that much better than Tyler Uyghurs. Now, whether that means Ty- you think Tyler Uyghurs is good or you think Nate Stanley is not so good, it's obvious Again, going back to that comment about Kirk Ferentz doesn't is afraid to win games or doesn't coach to win or whatever the the cliche is. That's that's nonsense. He's he's looking at a lot more information than any of us have. He's watching these kids every day and he's making the decision that's going to help him win games. So Nate Stanley is a better quarterback than Tyler Wiegers, but he waited to make that announcement because he's not a lot better than Tyler Wiegers. The other thing is. Nate Stanley is not doing enough to lose his job. You're right, he's not hitting those big passes. But besides that fumble today, he had the interception against Wyoming that got tipped up in the air. He's had a couple of fumbles, I think, Travis, um, in in other games. But outside of that, he has not made those big mistakes that have derailed the offense. And, and again, I think that is more of Ference's strategy here. If I can get a quarterback that's not going to make those big mistakes, that's how I win football games with this squad. And, and I wasn't arguing that point. I, I agree. I mean, I think he's the best, you know, that we have. But yeah, I think we're I think we're all in agreement there, Matt. Yeah, he's kind of derailing drives, though, overthrowing. There was a there was a corner pass uh, to Fant that he was open. He threw it out of bounds, yeah. and you can see the frustration. Fant, he, you know, he took his head straps off and kind of in frustration. And it's just you know, kind of time and time again, he's 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 not derailing the season of the team, but he's he's derailing. You know, drives at certain points that it's uh, hopefully. I mean, you know, obviously, hopefully, it gets better. Matt, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little plug you know, to our to one of our shows here. It's actually my show on Monday afternoons. Are you in Des Moines? I listen. Awesome, man. So we have uh, Sage Rosenfels and Chuck Long come on with us on Monday afternoons yeah. from five to six on KXNO. I'm yeah. curious about if Nate Stanley is 
so like for instance today he completed passes to eight different receivers. You had AJ Epinesa, the the pass he caught from uh, from uh, from the punter, and you have nine different Hawkeyes that caught passes today. I'm going to ask those guys that would know: Is that a byproduct of the system, or is Nate Stanley doing a good job of working through his progressions and finding the open guys? I'm going to bet it's a system. I'm thinking it is, Travis, because we hear Ed a couple of times a game talk about an open receiver that doesn't get. get and and the reason I say that, uh, it, it, I, I got a hard time believing a, a sophomore quarterback can check his progressions through five games to to find that many guys. I think it's it's picking your receivers at least one or two, and you and you're going to stick with them. Yeah. I, now I think I'd hope by senior year, you're you're checking all your. Pre- you're checking everything, that's, that's and you can. Pro, do that's it. a good analysis. But right now, I think it's 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 um, it's just what you. Thanks for the phone call, got. Matt. It's good Thanks, stuff, Matt. Man. Appreciate it. Uh, Ron says, "I was addiction." This is on Sound Off WHO on Twitter. I was addiction to the run simply kills. Now, Ron, I I happen to live on the on. It's funny that you say. Don't that. tell people where you live. Don't tell people. Well, I live farther west. Than I in than in Des Moines, <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I, okay. During the week, I live in Omaha. I, I mean, that's that's no secret. Um, and I listen to stuff over there. And Nebraska fans say the addiction to the past is killing them. If it doesn't work, you think it's killing you. But I, I will say this: I would rather have a team addicted to the run than addicted to the pass any day, because I believe running the football gives you a better chance to win football games. Threw the ball thirty-two times tonight. Ran it twenty-five. And I think you should be running more, not passing more, or at least closer to that 50-50 mark. 284-1040, that's the phone number you can reach us on. That's how Chris finds us from Green Mountain. Chris, thanks for calling Jethro Sound Off here on WHO. Hey, thanks, guys, for taking my call. You bet, man. What did you want to share with us? Uh, well, I've just been listening probably for about a half an hour, so maybe a couple of my points have been touched on, but uh, you can tell me if they were. That's all right. A lot of our listeners are in your boat, Chris, so fire away. Okay, well, um, a couple things. Um, you know, we talked about not getting the uh, the running game established. There's been several ideas and theories why that's not happening. You know, uh, Butler being hurt and so on and so forth. Um, to me, and loading the tackle box, I mean, they're keying on him, obviously, because he's like our best offensive weapon. My question is how they're using it. I mean, he's not a between-the-tackles kind of runner. I mean... I saw them today when they were backed up in the end zone. They did like a like a pitch to him to the right. That was the same play that he got a safety on last week. He doesn't seem to break tackles very well. He seems like he gets tripped up pretty easy. He's be- he's not good at breaking tackles. He's better at making people miss. And so I really think, you know, we've seen some great things from, we keep saying, get him in space. That's what he does. He doesn't have to break tackles. He makes people miss. So if they put him in that slot more often, bring in a second back or disguise it in eye formation with another back and maybe make him run an out route like a screen or something. And, you know, like how the parents is getting a lot of Brian parents getting a lot of credit for, uh, I think, uh, John Miller was saying a lot of this. They're running three, four, five different plays out of the same look. Yeah. So it was disguised. They didn't know what the Hawkeyes were going to do, which is not our MO. It, it keeps them on, you know, a little bit off balance. They're not, you know, they're not crashing and blitzing us so much, loading that tackle box where Waldie doesn't have a chance. Chris, it's I mean, funny. You're, you're hitting on a couple of points that two of our great callers touched on earlier in the show, and you, you said that. Um, Jerry, who said 
that Tor- he mentioned the name Torin Young, that if yep. Wadley's not the guy that's able to run between the tackles and square his shoulders and run run through that contact at the line, Torin Young seemed to have that skill set uh, when we've seen him in this season. The other one was our caller, John, who, uh, boy, what did you say that brought me to that one? Oh, that you're running from passing formations. And that's he was saying that's something you need to do more of, running from those passing formations. And I think that you're right, that Ference has done a pretty good job, as John Miller points out from HawkeyeNation.com, of uh, Brian Ference, of showing the same look and getting several different plays out of that one look. Yep. By the way, hoping to get we're hoping to get Rob Howe on from HawkeyeNation.com any minute here. Within, we're going to be on for another hour, 15 minutes, so we'll get him on pretty soon. Okay. Can I say one more thing? Ahead, Absolutely. Chris. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll try to make it quick. So, um, one other thing. I, I don't comment until after I hang up, because that would give you a little more time. Um, the other thing I was going to say about the run game, what I was kind of wondering about also is we've been talking about how the offensive line has doesn't seem like it's been as good, and, you know, that's got a lot of, seniority on it as far as a lot of experience. So I was wondering also since Brian Ferentz, obviously a product of his father, and having a new new coach from North Dakota State, Tim Polisek or whatever his name is, I wonder you if nailed it. there's a, a, loss, a loss of information or knowledge there, having a new coach on the offensive line. And then finally what I wanted to say was, uh, you know, I was following uh, some stuff on Twitter today and uh, people complaining about the blitzing and stuff. And they did blitz once, and it didn't look very good. And um, to me, I mean, I know that we gave up a lot of yards at Penn State last week and stuff, but, you know, I know you can. there's things you could fix or whatever, but if you have number three or four in the country and you hold them to 21 and you go to East Lansing and hold them to 17, you don't even need to talk about uh, defense at all. I don't care we got to score more points, or we're not going to win nothing. I don't care what the defense says. So, really, we don't need to talk about the defense unless there's an injury. That's all i got to say about that. I agree with him there. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Yep. Only thing I'll say about the offensive line, they're getting a ton of pressure. They are. They're, They're not blocking four guys. They're blocking seven. And you've got some talent there that's still really young. Alaric Jackson's the one I'm really looking at. I mean, that's a redshirt freshman over there at left tackle. Boone Myers and Sean Welsh have been kind of in and out. You've been moving Keegan Render and Ross Reynolds. I think James Daniels is the anchor of that offensive line, but there's a lot of moving parts going on around him, and that's a unit that needs that consistency, Travis. These guys know that. This, this is the bread and butter of Hawkeye football. It's not just Polisek. It's not just Ferentz. It's not just Brian Ferentz. You've got a bunch of dudes there that know you've got to build with that foundation of an offensive line. So good minds are focused on that problem. I don't think that's that big of an issue. I think we're all 100% right. Every, every comment we've taken on the offensive line today has been there's a realization amongst Hawkeye fans that offensive line isn't as great and dominant as we'd all hoped it would be. 284 what happened there? Jesse is a friend. Yeah, I know he's been a good friend of mine. It's weird. My headphones went out. Yeah, that's a you problem. That's a me problem. <laughs> Iowa loses 17 10 to Michigan State. Seven, what was the score? 17 10. I didn't hear you say 17 7, but apparently you did for the first like hour, hour and a half. <laughs> That's all right. Hawkeyes lost. Let that's me, what we. That's what most of us have and taken. And I was away. thinking out. I was thinking out loud in my head before we get back to the phone calls. 
thinking out loud in my head. Go ahead, Frank. What were you saying? <laughs> so let's say I I would have beaten Penn State last week. Yeah, one play. Let's. What 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 would have been the mood been like tonight? Ooh ooh, bad because that would have completely changed our expectations for this season. I think most of us came into this year thinking Penn State was going to be a loss or at least be a really, really tough game. But Michigan State was one of those swing games. If you'd asked, you know, 75 Hawkeye fans, I think you'd have got 50 were going to win and 25 were, you know, going to be yeah. a close game, might lose that one. So that would have changed expectations. You beat Penn State, and even and again, the way they played him, as we said earlier, I think did change that expectation a little bit, Travis. And that's why we're getting some of that emotion tonight. Let's go up to Ames. That's where Brandon is. Brandon, welcome to the Jethro's Barbecue Sound Off. Hey, guys. I just wanted to do a couple things. Number one, um, Tommy is a pretty smart guy. Um, is that really Lou Holt? <laughs> no, it's is, really Tom. Is, is, I, I didn't know if you had as smart as Lou Holtz is if that was Lou Holtz or Tommy. But here, here's my thing for all these Hawkeye fans. I'll tell you right up front, I'm a Cyclone fan, but I'll tell you what, if I could go to a bowl game every single year, these talk fans kill me when they say Kirk Ferentz doesn't play to win. Uh, the guy is a genius. Um, you look back over his history, every year there's going to be six or seven games that are going to come down the final five minutes and more than more times than not, Kirk and his staff find a way to win. So, um, you know, it, like you just said, Travis, if, if they if they tip that ball against Penn State at the end and and uh, they make a play here against Michigan State, they're five and zero. Oh, and like typical Hawk fans, everybody's got them going to the national championship. I would be Brandon. I'll be honest. Exactly. I, when I was watching that Penn State game, man, when I was watching that final drive, I let my expectations or emotions, whatever you want to say, get, get the, the best, best of me. And I started to look ahead, and I started to say, well, wait a minute. If they're beating Penn State, then they're going to beat Michigan State. They're going to roll Illinois. Wisconsin hasn't looked great. They could beat Wisconsin. Then, okay, Ohio State, maybe you'll lose that one, but you're going to kill Nebraska. Northwestern stinks. I was I let all of that emotion ramp up and get ahead of you got to beat Penn State. So I, I fell into that, Brandon. And I'm going to tell you well, something, I- dude. This, the stuff that you just said about Coach Ferentz, it was a group of Cyclone guys. A guy that I know uh, that used to coach for the Cyclones, knows more about football than, than most people I'll ever meet, Woodley. <clears throat> was the first one to sit me down and say, Kirk Ferentz is a great football coach. Not good. He's great. And watch how he keeps his team in football games every week. He might not blow teams out, but he's, he plays so well with the talent that he has on the field. He knows his strengths, and he knows how the game is supposed to be played so well that he keeps those, those kids in a position to win, and that's what a coach's job is. And I see that over and over. I saw that against Michigan State in the Big Ten title game. I saw that against Penn State last week. I saw that at times today against Michigan State. Even in a game you weren't ever realistically within striking distance, he had his team in that position. You bring up a good point. Did you ever feel like I was going to win today? No. Nope. Down 14 nothing. Brandon, did you ever feel like I was going to win today? I, As a Cyclone fan, I, I figured they would come back and win because they always seem to do that. They killed me two weeks ago when, when they came back against my Cyclones. And, and you see Kirk Ferentz's teams win so many close ones. So as a non-Hawkeye fan, 
I thought, ah, they'll they'll find a way. They're going to get a turnover, something just like Penn State, the whole Penn State game. I, I knew they were going to come back. Now, Penn State could be a national championship team, um, but I, I think I just, I just assumed they were going to find a way to win. All right, thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. Thanks. Enjoy your Saturday night. You know, I used to, Travis, I'm going to be real honest here, man. I used to listen to this show when I was a Hawkeye, when I, when I was a season ticket holder, and yeah. I'd be driving home. I'd get so mad listening to Zobble because he always seemed like he, and I loved Jim. I loved Jim. I mean, I, you were good friends with yeah. him. Yeah. But he, would, he always seemed like he was defending the indefensible, yeah. you know? Now I'm here. We are in that position, and sometimes I'm talking to people. But I don't I think we like, defend it. Okay, all right. I, I mean, I think we're we're much more critical than John and Jim ever were. I feel like that's true. Yeah. Um, you know, you, we we heard the Colin show on the network. That's just apologetics. I, I I mean, I think we try to get, but I think the older we get, the more you see, the the more you understand. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Uh, again, now I know why. This was before I sat in Mike Woodley's office for five yeah. hours, and he told me, explained to me why Coach Ferentz is, is such a genius on the football field. I, I mean, now I know why politicians flip flop. Because the older you get, the more you see, the more experienced you become. You can change your opinion or your philosophy. Jim was just smarter than me. We're AM 1040 on your radio and on your smartphone. Available anywhere you go on the iHeartRadio app. News Radio 1040, WHO, Des Moines. Praise for some, harsh criticism for others. I'm Carmen Roberts, Fox News. President Trump criticizing the media and praising the federal response to Puerto Rico. The suffering through devastation caused by Hurricane Maria more than a week ago. He blasted the mayor of San Juan, Carmen Yulin Cruz, for poor leadership after she said this yesterday. We are dying here and I cannot fathom the thought that the greatest nation in the world cannot figure out logistics for a small island of 100 miles by 35 miles long. The president tweeting some of the U.S. territory. Some people there want everything to be done for them. Mayor Cruz not mentioning the president as she tweeted today. Now is the time for a united focus on the people who need help. Millions in Puerto Rico are still in the dark. Even as federal aid starts to flow in, many people running out of food and water. But there is also growing concern for another problem. Standing water breeds mosquitoes. They're worried now about the spread of dengue fever. People are drinking dirty water. Diabetics and Asthmatics are not taking care of their health issues, and there's an overall lack of hygiene. Fox's Mike Tobin in Puerto Rico. Still, workers are making some progress. Water's been restored to about half of the island's residents. About half of the grocery store and big box stores have reopened. Some 4,000 National Guard members are helping distribute meals and water. President Trump plans to tour the island on Tuesday. And towns across the U.S. are taking down Confederate statues and monuments, but as they do that, some new ones are popping up, including one that the Sons of the Confederate Veterans dedicated today in Georgia. They say the monuments simply honor soldiers who gave their lives for the South. The NAACP calls the monuments a slap in the face. Fox News, fair and balanced.